Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pot Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, in this episode 265. I am joined on a snowy Monday by my co-host, Stacy. That is at StacyPan89. Stacy, how are you doing? Yeah, it's definitely snowy. I think we're a little bit south of you, so uh, more wintry mix, which is honestly way worse. Yeah, wintry mix is the worst, actually. Uh, but uh, yeah, doing the... Uh, Doing about the same. Well, I doubt that. Uh, but before we get started, I do have to make an announcement that the Strickland has an Instagram, which you can subscribe to. Uh, check that out. That is at the Strick.land on Instagram. Give us a follow there. We're putting out all kinds of new content on there. Uh, you can also follow us on YouTube, where you might be watching this podcast. If you are, If you are watching this podcast on YouTube, please hit the like button. And then hit subscribe to the channel if you're not already subscribed. That would be a big help to us. Strickland also has a Patreon which you can subscribe to. There are a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland mailbag that comes out every other week hosted by Andrew Steele and Dallas Amico. The Doug bag, as we like to call it. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. The Knicks lost their fourth in a row to the Raptors, 125-116. I don't really have anything to say because it's the same exact thing over and over again and starting to feel a little bit like last year um, around the same stretch pre-All-Star break when Tibbs lost his mind and coached like a fucking moron, um, which he's kind of doing again. And I know that he was shorthanded yesterday, which makes... He was shorthanded in the two areas that killed the Knicks, right? Um DJ put out DJ Asolo, front of the pod. By the way, shout out to DJ. Congrats. If you're listening on the um, becoming contributor for Nick's Film School, it's really cool. Um, excited to see even more of the content he's putting out. <coughs> um, but, um, and if you don't follow DJ, you should. But um, I think he put out a stat, you know, <coughs> for all the, the clamoring about the shooting luck the Raptors had, they shot over 50% from three. The Knicks actually had a higher effective field goal percentage and a higher true shooting percentage by a substantial margin over the Raptors. So they were getting good shots. <coughs> um, the problem was two things. They got out-rebounded, and they they didn't have any deflections. And those are not, I mean, at least the deflections are not a new thing. <coughs> as, as DJ mentioned, 
Um, the Raptors are number one in the league in deflections. Not a surprise given all the length they throw out. And the Knicks are dead last. But if there is a player who is probably the best at generating deflections and, um, and not doing things like going under screens against Fred Van Fleet, and we can talk about that later, um, they were missing him. And they were obviously missing their their best rebounder in Mitchell Robinson, and uh, and you know me and you have had some back and forth on Mitchell Robinson, and I, I'd honestly probably call a truce there because I think that I probably maybe overvalue Mitchell Robinson relative to other centers because just because of how bad the rest of the defense are. he's the only player that knows how to box out. And if he told me that would be a thing when he was a rookie and he was just fucking awful at it. Um, I would have not believed you, but he is, he is the only one that knows how to box out. And you saw how many times Siakam or Trent or someone would just come in and the Knicks would be focused on the ball and maybe even in good position. And it wouldn't matter because they're not putting a body on a guy. Uh, so you missed that for Mitch and you missed, uh, you know, Emmanuel Quickly's event generation. And the other thing was turnovers on the other end, which just the, by default of being a pretty good, a competent ball handler quickly helps, but um he also um you know he's the only person who knows how to navigate a double team <laughs> like comp like quickly like it's not always the ideal outcome but he'll get it he'll like dribble out and get get it to sims or whoever like he'll get the ball there and and i will say that the, the raptors are good at trapping like they will take away the nearest pass they will make you execute the most difficult pass but quickly is good at buying time and so this was like the least ideal opponent for the Knicks to have to be down quickly and Mitch against. Um, I don't really care about any of that. To be honest, they lost to the, this team twice with both those guys. That's so true. that's not an excuse. Um, it's not an excuse. Uh, what I'm saying is that was, it's it, I, no, no, my, my point is not that it's an excuse and there is one big problem I had with Tibbs, um, in addition to the fact that uh, our, our scheme on defense, if you're leaving Gary Trent Jr. open nine times from three, there's something wrong with the scheme. Let's just put it like that. Um, this is the only team Fred Van Vliet has success against. Like We can talk about those things, but I think it should highlight the value that Quickly and Mitch bring, You know, even when Quickly shooting 32% from three. But like... But like I- if you still need those val, I'm not saying you, but if people still need those values highlighted, then they're fucking stupid. Like I don't care about that. That's it's a lot like, of people I'm, still need Mitch's value. Yeah, well, like. they're fucking stupid. Like I don't know what. Else, like I'm sorry. Like if you want to say Mitch and I, I've criticized Mitch plenty, but like if you want to say Mitch has flaws and like we need to eventually upgrade the position and there's things that he does that like yeah I, I that there's all we can have all all those conversations. But like he's objectively a good player. He does things that we lack without him on the floor both defensively and on the glass and offensively um i do think he's a better rim runner than sims even if sims is a better screen setter um those are kind of tied together but kind of separate sims is six nine on a good day so yeah that's it's, really it's just problem. different yeah. um but like i'm just i i just watched this team like there's just inexcusable shit that's happening like you have okay so mitch is out and quickly's out Right, you're. We were we we're talking about effectively. What are two guys of like? What's an nine man rotation, but is in actuality basically like a six man rotation. So two of your six guys are out. But that's that's is that a Tibbs thing or is that a front office thing? Because 
I mean, I think our we agree that the the like takeaway from Cam just being not playable is that his reps, Tibbs, and the front office is at a mutual agreement that he's not going to play. Right? Is that fair to say, or do you think that's yeah. not the? <laughs> that's also why I don't like everyone. A lot of people tweet at me like, "Why isn't Cam playing? Why isn't Cam playing?" I don't I respond to any of those. So if you're listening to this and you tweet that at me, just know that I'm not going to respond because, because I literally don't care. We're both tired of that. A, neither of us is that high on Cam. <clears throat> for the same reasons, I'm like not crying my eyes out that we didn't trade for Rui Hachimura. Um, but um, the point is, like, you're now race. You're using a roster spot on that. You're using a roster spot on Svi Mikhailuk, who I understand wouldn't have helped our defense yesterday. But you're in a if you're in a shootout like the, the kind of games the Knicks have been in the last couple of games. Well, if he's not an option, then why is he here at all? Like, if he's literally just there's well, no you, scenario. They, there there are players like that on every NBA team, right? That like, but like you're you're talking about you're out two guys. You can't even. There's been situations where we've been out guys, and we yeah. need somebody to eat minutes. You can't put him in. That that like, is a failure of the front on. office. That like, and it's not just two guys. You have another backup point guard who you're giving thirteen million dollars a year to, and I'm you know I'm not one of those people that's like Jalen Brunson's making a hundred million dollars a year. You get three hundred million tied up with Randall and. I'm not one of those, and Brunson and, and Barrett, I'm not one of those guys, but um, you you have Derrick Rose there, he's not playable. You have Fournier, he's not playable. Or, I he played yesterday, I... Uh, I like, don't, like, wanna... I don't want, like, the front office is its own thing, we can talk about that later. Like, this guy is sitting there But that yesterday. is hamstringing. No, it's not yeah, him, he's hamstringing himself. You have he is also. It can be both. Can be true. No, though, no, no. Right? But but, the, but we don't need like the front office conversation can be a separate thing. Like the like yesterday, you're watching this game. This guy plays Evan Fournier 21 minutes. He played him 21 minutes. He played him seven minutes and 24 seconds in the fourth quarter. Well, while I mean, Grimes is just sitting on the bench. I would imagine we agree on the biggest rotation mistake, right? Okay, yeah, which yeah, is that you got a, you got a guy that hit four threes in 10 minutes. Right, um, but this is this is my floor. but the, but this is my point, like. You're he's down two guys of his six man the the six guys that he trusts no matter what on this team he's down two of those guys and even on that night in that situation he can't play the guy who hit four threes he can't play more than eleven minutes Obi Toppin because Obi can only be a four he can only be a four and not only can he only be a four he can only be a four next to a true five even if the true five is Sims or Hartenstein. Neither of whom, despite their efforts, I actually thought Hartenstein, he had a bad last, like, three possessions in the fourth quarter. I actually thought he played okay yesterday. Um, but, like, like he he can't play except for the next to those guys or Mitch. And it's stupid. Like, what what is the argument? What, what coach? Like, you're look at this team, okay, and look at who you're playing against. Is there a single other coach in the NBA that would play Evan Fournier 21 minutes over Obi Toppin? No, there's not. He's a Even bottom if you five. No, hold three, on, yeah. hold on, hold on. He's a bottom five coach in the league, considering our situation. He's a bottom five coach. What other coach in the league is doing that? Name me one. Maybe Steven Silas because he's fucking awful. Like no yeah, he's other trying coach. To tank, so. No, I mean maybe the secret the to getting a good that. Frenchman in the draft is playing this Frenchman right now. Maybe, but we know like this is like if this was another coach, I might actually buy into like oh this is some like next level tanking thing they. No, but like we know it. Like we know Tibbs is not doing that. Like he's looking. Like, I I don't know how 
There are people who never criticize him and, and go out of their way to find reasons for why the decision he made was actually fine and there's nothing else you could do and he can't pack anything. And it's like, like what are like what fucking game were you watching yesterday? Or, or any day. Like, Evan Fournier, you cannot go. I, I'm sorry. There I, was, there was... I got a bunch of pushback. I, 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 there was a, bu- a bunch of people that pushed back on us. Because I was like, how does Deuce McBride, who's in the rotation, like, now because quickly is out injured, okay, fine, you got to play Evan because you need somebody. But I'm fine with that. I, I, my issue is not Evan playing. But how does it go that, like, a guy that's in the rotation plays less than a guy that's out of the rotation because of an injury? And people are like, logically. Well, People are just like, oh, well, you know, you don't understand. Like, you know, he's replacing Quickly's minutes. So that I'm like, okay, but no other coach in the league does that. No other coach is going to be like, well. I think the player, I think a lot of the people who are agreeing with you were agreeing with you in principle on that, but they're just like, they were making the point that this is Tibbs' weird logic. No, and I understand that, but it's like, that's the entire point. The logic is not logical. Like, there's no reasoning to it. And it's like, oh, see, it's a three. And then I have three people like, oh, aren't you happy you played him over Deuce now? And it's like, Dude, he went two for nine. Like, who cares? What? Like, okay, congrats. He made a couple shots. That's the bare minimum. Way worse defense. Yeah, and he's terrible in defense. And my thing is, like, I'm not even saying this as, like, a oh, my God, Deuce needs to play more thing. No, my point is, one, if if you're going to play Fournier more in, in this situation where there's an injury, then he should always play more than Deuce if that is your evaluation as a coach. The second part of it is, Deuce is one, he's not hitting shots. And I thought yesterday he played better defensively, but like he's going through something on that end. He's just not having an impact. Um, but like, okay, why can't Obi just take those minutes? Because when we're at full health, okay, when we're fully healthy, well, and because you're putting there, Randall or Obi at the three, that's the right, issue. right. But that's but my point is like, that's not a good reason with this roster. Like this roster, you're playing two wings, first of all. Okay, there's only two wings that are getting any minutes. RJ and Grimes. And Grimes is like, you're generously naming him away. Okay. Like, there's no reason that Obi can't play the three because your other option there is Evan. He is better than Evan now. He's more important. He's a better defender at the three than Evan, he, probably. He's, right? he's a better yeah, he's a better defender than Evan at the three. He's shooting better than Evan from three this year. He's shooting 36.2% from three. He's on shooting 11, better from, than Evan. 40 on, on 11 threes per 100 possessions. I mean, year. I don't think he's a better... On 11, 11 threes 11, wow. per 100 possession. On 11 threes per 100, possession, 100 possessions. This year. That is, for those listening, that's like close to Quentin Grimes level. Yeah, so he's shooting 36.2% from three. Evan Fournier on 11.6 three-point attempts per 100 possessions is shooting 31%. Like, there's no argument for Evan Fournier, based on their play this year, to ever get more minutes than, than Obi Toppin in any situation ever. Un- unless yeah, but I mean, Obi you're taking the literally gets... I mean, you don't, you don't actually think Toppin's a better shooter than Fournier, right? So it, it'd be based on their career body of work, right? But, like, that's not how he's determining this shit. We know that. Like, we know that Tibbs isn't worried about what Evan Fournier... Oh, well, the long run, Evan's going to turn around. That's not how he operates. Like, are you sure? I mean, like, I think if Evan Fournier is playing, you're thinking of him as a shooter, and like, yeah, the guy, the guy can shoot. I'm, I'm not worried about him shooting 31. percent I mean, I'm pretty right worried now. about it because he's played. Well, he's hard. not good at anything else. That's the issue. And Obi was um, <clears throat> was generating other stuff too. He was also. I, I like mean, his I effort mean, on I mean, honestly, too. honestly, is it that unreasonable that Obi Toppin is like a 36 percent three point shooter? 
Not 36, no. I, I think it's unreasonable that Evan Fournier is a 31% three-point shooter. No, but he, Evan Fournier is a career 38% three-point shooter. So it's not, like, unreasonable to think Obi's And Obi does get left that open range. more often than Evan. That that should be kind of... I don't know. They were leaving Evan pretty fucking open yesterday. Like well, They're not a good defensive team, but I think wait. in general, like, that 36% is probably, like... I, I think that those 11 three-point attempts will come down but also, like, you will see all the people bitching about, why doesn't Obi attack the rim? He's just a stretch four. It's like, well, they're giving him that, and soon they're not going to give him that, and, and then you'll see a lot. And you had one, he had a beautiful drive and kicked the jerk. That was actually, honestly, the most impressive play from Obi Toppin. I don't know if you remember this play. But yeah, he dumped it to Sims. For a dump, to but Sims, like, yeah. I'm just like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I really don't care about the fucking front office. The front office did fine. The front office fucked up XYZ things. But, like, their biggest fuck-up right now is that they're just accepting this. It's fine. It's fine that Obi's playing 10 minutes. He played 11 minutes. He played actually under 11 minutes last night. Yeah. In a game was, where you're down, you're down quickly, you're down points. Mitch, you get 14 points in 11 minutes, he hits four threes in the first in the first quarter. Well, I mean, would, would, I second, guess. Second quarter, rather, first half. The the Toronto Raptors announcers are sitting there on the broadcast wondering why the hell Obi Toppin isn't in the game. This guy, I'm sorry, Tibbs. Like yesterday is among the worst coaching games of his entire time with the Knicks. It was atrocious. Well, I mean, is there an argument that no, with the Knicks being (laughs) no, (laughs) with the Knicks being mauled on the glass, that Obi was not a guy who was going to fix that? I, you know what? Because they did have a good offensive game. You know what? No, no. Actually, I think that actually makes my point for me. You're getting mauled on the glass. Obi Toppin's not a great rebounder. I agree. Who do you think is a better rebounder at the three? Obi Toppin or Evan Fournier? It's really neither. It's it, it's what do you mean? It's clearly Obi, dude. What the fuck are you talking about? Obi leaks a lot and neither okay. of the box. Let's, the problem let's... isn't can you jump and get the Okay, I'll I'll give it to you. I'll give you the Obi point. But the point is also that nobody on this team boxes out, which might be a Tim's failing on its own. But nobody there's one player on the Knicks who boxes out. And right now he's injured and tweeting memes of his car or whatever, probably, or retweeting motivational Scott Perry quotes. Yeah, but here's the thing: like <laughs> this whole like boxing out thing. And I agree, they, nobody on the team boxes out. Go look around the NBA. There's a lot of teams that don't fucking box out. The, the we played one yesterday. The, the, the Raptors don't box out. They don't box out. But you know what they do is they just get. They have a bunch of athletic dudes. And guess what happens? You know, a bunch of athletic dudes. They might jump really high in the air and go get the ball, even though they're not boxing out. Like. You're not okay. For example, Obi Toppin. Guess who has the third high, the third highest defensive rebound percentage on the team? Obi. It's Obi. And guess who has the eleventh highest defensive rebound? Has mentioned Randall number one and two. No, Randall is. Well, Keels is one, but that doesn't count. Uh, Randall is one. Sims is two. Obi is three. Hartenstein is four. So Mitch is not in one of the top three. But this is so this is just and, this is just raw and, and defensive. He is the best defensive rebounder, okay, right? right? But this is just raw defensive. My point is, for He's a not... center, for a center, raw defensive, and even for a four, raw defensive rebound percentage doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing a great job on the glass. Okay, but at the three, if you're getting just a bunch of rebounds, you're probably doing something okay. Well, I, um, I guess the question for me is and. So the disagreement, I guess, or maybe not disagreement, but for me, I would have rather, it's not so much about playing him or Fournier. 
even though I did think Fournier played too many minutes, I would have played Obi and Randall at the four and five, like everything we've been screaming. But, okay, for. but my point is, even if Tibbs, I, which is actually somewhat reasonable, if he's like, we just can't stick, like the defensive rebounding gets too compromised, we, it's not worth the trade-off. It, but when you're getting killed that. and dropped by okay, fucking but, but Fred Van Vliet. But I'm saying I'll grant him that. I will grant him that. I will. Okay, that's fine, fine. That's I, even, But even if I grant you that, there's no reason to play Evan Fournier over him. Like, there's just none, especially against a team like them. Okay, look at the front courts they were putting out there yesterday. It's like Barnes, Siakam, Boucher, Barnes, Siakam, fucking uh, Precious. They don't, have a, they don't have a real five. They don't have a real five, and they don't play like traditional wings. I mean, they don't have a uh, sorry, a traditional five. I, I should say yeah. it worked for them, obviously. So that's not a right. They don't. They don't have a traditional five, and they don't. The only wing they're actually playing is like Gary Trent Jr. yesterday. Other than that, what wing were they playing? None. It's like Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., Precious, fucking Siaka. Barnes. Yes, yeah, Scotty Barnes, Boucher, and then random dudes off the bench for a little bit. But like, you know, like Wieskamp or whatever the fuck his name is. You know, like they're not playing a bunch of dudes out there that, that you're like, oh man, that's going to be a huge mismatch. For OB three and like fuck, even if it was, what is that not going to be a mismatch for Evan? It's a joke. I'm sorry. It's a joke that like and any like, I'm so sick and tired of these people that will go out of their way to defend this shit. Oh well, you know, it's a good matchup for Evan. Really, you think that's why Tim's did it because it's a good matchup for Evan? What does he ever for him? He he doesn't view things as situational. We know that. Like if a guy is situational, that means they're not actually playing. The only reason Evan played is because of an injury. If quickly was healthy, he doesn't play Evan. He wouldn't have been like, "Oh, it's a good matchup. Let me get Evan in there." No, he wouldn't have played. Not specifically so, good, but right. But the point is, like, if if it's a it's a if it's a good matchup for him, then you can five minutes for him. He played fucking RJ forty minutes yesterday. He played Brunson. God knows how many Grimes got. The, like you could, if you if you're a coach that thinks that actually cares about situational matchups. And you think this is a good matchup for Evan? You would find a way to get him on the floor for 10, 15 minutes. But Tibbs doesn't operate like that, which is fine. But the but you can't have it both ways. You can't be like, oh, well, Tibbs is doing this because it's a good situational matchup, versus like then being like, well, you know, he doesn't play this guy because that's just how he does. It's bullshit. Like he, it, everything about that game yesterday is insulting. Um, like, and I don't understand. Like, what what am I? What, what did that benefit? What did that do for us? What does playing Evan Fournier any amount of time in 2023 do for us? He's not good on the court. He doesn't matter to your long-term future. He's if he has it's shooting gravity. What and what and, and, and as bad as like as bad as he is on ball, he was his rotations were better than. Uh, oh my god, dude! Who cares, bro? What the fuck are you talking about right now? You're talking about Evan he gets, he gets the scheme. Like, well, he, who his cares? Are not wrong. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Like, honestly, I'm saying, I'm just I'm outlining the rationale, bro. I I wanted I did I wanted Grimes. But the rationale sucks. The rationale is fucking stupid. So why are we talking about the rationale? I'm sure that there, there's <laughs> rationale for why people vote for Donald Trump. Who gives a shit? Like those people probably suck, and we shouldn't care what their reasoning is. In fact, their reasoning is dangerous. There and might be I'll, Trump supporters who watch this. Schwinn. Good. Fuck them. Like it, I don't know. Like I, I genuinely have no idea. Why are we talking about the rationale? I understand his rationale. There's no questioning what his rationale is. We know it. Are you accusing me of both sides in this? 
Yes, I am because I don't understand why we're doing this. Like, we don't need to. We know what the rationale is. He's he tells us the rationale every day. Every every decision he makes, we know what the rationale is. Why doesn't he ever play with the traditional five on the floor? Because he he thinks that that position is all about gotta have a rim protector on the floor, gotta have somebody who's a great offensive rebounder, somebody who who makes you put a body on the glass. Like that is what he wants. He wants one guy on the floor who does that at all times. And even if they can't actually do that, as long as they have the semblance of that, he will accept it, right? Because to me, there's really no discernible difference between playing Randall at the five at this point and Hartenstein at the five. With how we're using our fives, there's really, like, what, Randall's going to be worse in drop than Hartenstein? I doubt it. Uh, well, Hartenstein brings the ability to pass and short roll and shoot, yeah, which Randall which, doesn't have. <laughs> or Obi doesn't have. Right. right. It's just... I, I'm just. I'm I really... do think. I do think Hardenstein is a little under underrated as a rim protector, um, but um, but I, I there was no reason not to. Obi playing 11 minutes yesterday is a joke. It is absolutely abominable. Um, I I am I I there's one thing that makes me like the guy even more is that he ha- we haven't heard of a trade. That guy should have demanded a trade a long fucking time ago. You just said it. 36 percent from three jumps out of the gym. He is not. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> Rui Hachimura just went for three first, second round picks, right? I would take Obi over Rui. They're they're a similar type of player, right? You'd agree with that, right? They're a similar archetype, like a, a four with athleticism. Obi is way more athletic. I would say a better shooter, and um, and he's like his he does his defense was not good yesterday. No, no one's was, and that was that was criminal to me. And the thing is, like, so on Tibbs, I do not think it was the worst coach game of Tibbs' career, purely because I think there are games that he has lost. Oh, I don't think it, I don't think it's the worst. I said it's among the worst. I, I, there, even, even if I'm just looking at the Knicks, I have, I did not follow him as closely with Chicago and Minnesota. I'm only talking about the Knicks. Um, yeah, I know. I'm just saying for those uh, who may be referencing other games. I always thought in Chicago, the Knicks would always lose to them in the kind of games we're losing to teams like the Raptors now. Uh, irony's a bitch, isn't it? Um, but the the point is that, um, you know, that that was just, I think there are other, like, the beginning of the fourth quarter, Obi was on the floor, and it was tied, or no, the Knicks were up going into the fourth quarter, I believe, right? The Knicks no, were up. It was tied. It was tied. The Knicks took a two-point lead, I think, immediately to begin the fourth quarter. Um, and then, um, and then part, there were a lot of, there were, it was a, a lot of it, and RJ Barrett had a good game. I know I probably, I am more negative on RJ Barrett than a lot of people. And I tend to, so I'll, I'll credit him with having a really good game yesterday, at least on offense. Um, I think after what he said about Scotty Barnes, I would have liked to see him fucking own him more, but the refs didn't help him and the refs were pieces of shit yesterday. Um, but, the um, RJ Barrett took it out upon himself to do RJ Barrett things, and it didn't work out, and they found themselves down eleven. I'm not putting that on Tibbs, but um, and that's with Obi in the game. But um, but I think the bigger issue was yeah, like overall eleven minutes, less than eleven minutes to your point. That just for a guy who scored fourteen points in a game when you really really needed, like I think what you were saying before is like you're getting mauled on the glass anyway. And um, my my solution would have been I I I'm not a fan of Randall at three or Obi at the three as much, <laughs> but um 
But I guess a team like Toronto, Randall probably should play the three, right? You know, like Randall was probably our most effective defender against Siakam. He was our most effective defender against Scotty Barnes. Um, you know, I I um, I, I think I, I don't get why Obi played eleven minutes, and I don't get why you. And I think it goes back to your point that like we like this rigidity ma- makes sense. Like your rigidity is like. If you if it's if you're saying that well you're getting killed in small ball and you're Doc Rivers and you're refusing to bench Joel Embiid for Montrezl Harrell that's good rigidity right because you want to keep Joel Embiid in the game um, when your rigidity is I need to keep Evan Fournier or for me it was Isaiah Hardenstein in the game <laughs> or even Sims I thought Sims played decent yesterday why would he he was not having a bigger impact than Obi Toppin. Um, he got, Jericho Sims got posted up by Scotty. Can we talk about how fucking infuriating that is? He got posted up and backed down by Scotty Barnes. That's inexcusable for a center. And, you know, it's, it speaks to, you should be playing Obi Toppin more. Um, and, but, and that's the thing, right? Like it's, everyone says, you know, when Tibbs gets the talent he needs, then let's judge him, right? Right now, this is a this is a play-in team or a fringe a fringe. In what play- industry does that apply? By the way, like you can't judge something. Like, is that is that how like Steve Jobs built fucking Apple? Like, no, no, I, you know, can't, I, I just got you, laid you off by Mark Zuckerberg, you, so I don't know if I you, can. You can't, you can't judge me. You can't judge me until uh, I build the whole company because you not, not like no, that's not how it works. Like, yeah, if but charge, it's, but it, his weakness. If you're in charge of something, you have to help guide it get to the end point. And yes, along the way, you will. You know, as a coach, obviously, the goal is, yes, I'm going to coach this team as best I can. And in the meantime, the front office will give me talent. There is not a single argument to be made that Tibbs has done the best possible job he can for this season. Not one. Yeah, not a single one. Because he started the year playing a rotation, which, when he went away from it, the team immediately improved. That, right there, right there, that is 100% proof positive he did not do the best job possible with this team. That's 100% proof positive. The fact that and and these are not changes. But Grimes was hurt, so that's no, part. No, but he didn't start playing Grimes, and it was not like Grimes was healthy, and all of a sudden Grimes started playing. No, Grimes was that sitting was, there DNP'd doing nothing for like four games. That was, but who? And that was the same thing with Obi, right? Like, and and he's and not, they leave, and, and that, and that is the front office. Grimes by the way, the, Obi, the front office should control that messaging better. Okay, because but, is, is Grimes not healthy? Is Grimes not conditioned? Like we need more clarity on that. I do think so. And same with Obi, by the way, but. But like the point is like he was playing Fournier and Rose over he was he was playing Rose over quickly. He was playing Fournier more minutes than many other players. Like he he has no flexibility, and so all he's done is he took out Rose, he took out Fournier, and he replaced them effectively in the rotation and Cam. He replaced them in the rotation with Grimes and Deuce, and that's it. That's he didn't actually change how he coached. He just changed who he was coaching, who is in the rotation. That's it. But there's he, no but he, difference in what he does. There's no growth. And, and it, it's the it's the rigidity of it. I mean, you've used the word rigidity more with him. But um, you know, I think that it's the thing is this, right? Even if you're this, there there's very how how often, how many times in the last few years have you seen a team that's just like clear head and shoulders above everybody else? Not since the end of the KD Warriors, right? Mm. Um, which, if that's the answer, that we just need to get him the KD Warriors and he'll win, buddy. 
<laughs> you can do better than that as a coach. But the other thing is, like, in most of these series, you're against an evenly matched team. And you have to be creative in how you deploy your players. Right? Like, the Bucks have a really good center. Yeah, this is an example. If Tibbs was coach of the Bucks, right? The, the Bucks have a really good center in Brooke Lopez who can stretch the floor and, um, and, you know, and, and block shots and protect the paint. And, right, and he, he's good enough in drop where you're not. But if they played a team like the Raptors, where as awful as Fred Van Vliet has been this year, you can't really play 10 feet in the paint against them on drop. Um, you know, even if you have a guy like Drew Holiday, would Tibbs play Giannis at the five? Uh, very sparingly. Like, it's not that's even... The, I, don't know that's why, the thing. I don't even know why we Why do you play. think he's going to be a great... If we get that kind of talent, why do you think he's going to be such a great coach then? There's no reason know? for it. These people have no reasoning. The reasoning is mostly just like, well, this is the best you can do with what we have. And, oh, well, it would be a bad look for the organization to fire him right now. Uh, you know, he made us respect That's the him. worst fucking... We've he, already he, gone through so many bad coaches. Yeah, and he's... It's like, he honestly, it, you know what that is? We 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 could say we could say this. It's um. We can say this. Imagine if you just fucking dated a bunch of shitty people for a long time, and then you're dating someone who's kind of okay and does the bare minimum. Would you just say, "Well, I can't break up with them, even though they suck," because I mean, uh, or they're that. not what? Said so people do that though. People stay in <laughs> shitty. <laughs> Yeah, they pop out kids and fucking ruin their lives too. That's the point. Don't ruin Tibbs' children's lives. I, I just I just really don't understand like I don't know how you can look at this roster and genuinely feel that he is exploring all possibilities. Like it's just factually incorrect. You know, like it really is. I mean, let's be real here. This whole newfound love again that he has for for Emmanuel quickly, like that wasn't there to start the year. Not in the minutes he was giving him. Oh, he values quickly so much, really? Because he was playing him like fucking 22 minutes a night. Um, and you know what? I still don't think he predicts. He, he, he might value him, but he values him very, very specifically for a thing. He doesn't trust him to run the offense. He still doesn't. And he's actually, I think, even more so than last year. I don't, I don't want to. How do I say that? He's disenfranchised. No, he's, he's just not empowered him. To run the off, I think he's empowered him less to run the offense. Can, can I say something also? So there's two players in the same mold that I like a lot. There's Emmanuel Quickly, and there's a guy for, who plays for the Denver Nuggets named Bones Highland, who I really wanted us to draft, even over Quinn Grimes. And there's been people, especially on the Nuggets side, who are like, "I'll take Bones over Quickly." LOL. If you flipped Bones and Quickly, the Nuggets would be way better. The Nuggets would be way better. A, and we'd be way worse. And Bones would be Bones would be this version of Emmanuel quickly with worse defense. Not just because that. he would because Bones Tibbs would hate fucking, him. Tibbs, Tibbs would, would hate him. him. Bones is empowered to fucking launch from the logo. How many times? Remember, quickly used to do that in the in his end with his freshman season or his, his um, rookie, rookie yeah. season. He stood all the fucking time. And like that Clippers game where Paul George afterwards really went out of his way to compliment Tibbs quickly. Right, I don't think he was even asked about quickly, and he, he complimented him. And you could see that, like, there was like quickly hit like his third floater in a row, and like Paul George slammed the ball in frustration. You could tell, like, that's like the ultimate sign of respect, right? That like this great All NBA defender is like saying that, like, yeah, like this dude, is, I can't fucking solve this dude, and that's gone from his game. And if Bones wasn't able to do that, he can't do all the fucking other stuff that quickly can. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest about the 
the specific logo three thing. I'm I tend to think that there is some level of like pull up some transition in general. I'm yeah, like I, I think there is some level of like Tibbs doesn't want that. And Malone is a hard ass too, but he'll yeah. he lets Bones do that. He no, lets no, Murray I, do look, that. Obviously, all, all I'm saying is like I think there is for sure. I I do think there's an element of like Tibbs doesn't want him doing that. But I also I also think that like quickly still in this weird phase of his and like like we can talk we'll talk about RJ too later but like like I know like people want these guys to just be stars like you know within two years right and that's why I think like I like to make fun of Jalen Green but it's also why like the conversation around Jalen Green right now is pretty stupid from what I can tell and it's like dude he's they're babies. He's a second-year player, right? Quickly's a third-year guy. The Rockets, the Rockets are also just a fucking mess. Right? right, they're a mess. But, like, the point is, like, some some guys aren't... Like, you're, the prime of your career is, what, like, 26 to 30? Like, you know, maybe a little bit later than that even, maybe 27, 31, something. So we're on the downside? Bro? Right. Damn, but it's, like... Fun. But, like, yeah, we're, we're definitely on the downside. Um, but, like, these guys are still developing. And so with quickly, I think some of it is definitely Tibbs probably doesn't want him taking that shot. But I also think some of it is like he's he now has a lot of confidence in his game inside the arc. And I actually I think I would actually argue him is maybe even more confident inside the arc than he is taking threes at this point, which is kind of Well he's shooting close to fifty percent yeah. on twos. So he's shooting over fifty percent. He's shooting fifty one point four percent on twos this year. Um but like so I think there's just some of that going on with that too. But I, I look, I, I agree. And like, okay, here's here's a fun comparison. Uh, quickly plays 27 minutes a night. Bones is playing 19.7 minutes a night. Um, Bones is shooting a very tremendous, by the way, 38.9% from three on 14 and a half threes per hundred yeah, he's, he's a fucking shooter. Now, what do you think Bones' true shooting percentage is? Like 53? Fifty-four and a half. Quickly is only shooting thirty-three point two percent from three on just eight point seven threes per hundred possessions. What do you think his true shooting is? Fifty-four point five or something. Fifty-five point four. Um, like Quickly's more efficient as a scorer than Bones. He doesn't play on the same usage as Bones, which is also but because. That, but that's what's more frustrating is like right. if he had the fucking green light that Bones did. I think his true shooting would be even better. You know. Well, maybe, and maybe, and maybe we'd be worse. I don't know, but like we would know, like, we would have a better idea. Um, and, like, like my, my point initially is just, like, he clearly doesn't view quickly as capable of running the offense. Because <clears throat> when he's, like, his, the latest thing, right, is he comes in for RJ, and then he plays all those minutes of Brunson to close the first quarter. Brunson goes out, then quickly is on with Deuce, but then RJ comes back in, and then it's most of the time it's an ISO possession for RJ, or if there's nothing getting done for RJ, then it'll be an ISO possession for quickly. But then we also waste possession. Like, but then we also do this thing where like Deuce brings the ball up, and then it'll go to quickly, or then it'll go to RJ. So he's not actually empowering him to like run the offense. He he's kind of empowering him as a scorer in those situations, but not to actually run the offense. And I just kind of have an issue with that. Um, and I'm sure there'll be people that listen to this and be like, "You're nitpicking. He's running off." I just don't I, – I'm sorry. I, I don't think it's – I think if you go back and watch the games at the end of last season and then you go and watch what – and even watch some of the games this year uh, and then you watch how he's been using quickly and RJ for that matter the last like 15 games or so, I think there's a very big difference there. Um, but like 
you know, again, like at least quickly is playing a lot though, you know, and the way it happened with RJ getting hurt, do I think that, yeah, I do. I do think that RJ getting hurt weirdly benefited quickly, quickly's minutes and his standing in the eyes of Tibbs. But like the OB thing is just depressing to me because I, I don't understand. Like if you're not going to play him more than 11 minutes on a game like last night, then what is the point, man? Just fucking trade the guy. Like really that's, and, and, that was the best. And, that was the optimal situation. Yeah, that's what was really frustrating. And and if and if you're not going to trade him, then you have to go to Tibbs and be like, I don't care how you do it. I don't care where those minutes are coming from. He's got to play 20 minutes a night. That's it. There's no to me. There's nothing to negotiate there. If if you're if you're the front office and you won't trade Obi right now for a better fit to upgrade the roster, whatever you want to phrase it, like somebody that better fits what Tibbs needs, whatever the fuck, okay? If you're not going to do that, then you have to have the balls to be like, he's got to play 20 minutes a night. And it, it doesn't matter how. I don't. I literally, at this point, I don't care how. I don't care if that means that he's playing the three. I don't care if that means he's going to play the five. I don't care if that means he's going to play the fucking one. I don't care. He's got to play 20 minutes a night, and you have got to see what he can do in those minutes every single night. Because you know what? We're not getting shit from the bench as it is. Really, aside from quickly, we're not going to shift from the bench. So I don't want to hear about how like we're trying to win basketball games. Really, were you trying to win basketball games when Evan Fournier was out there fucking fingering his butthole in the fourth quarter? Probably not. Probably not doing a good job of it. You know, like it's it's a joke. Like just put the guy out there for twenty minutes a night. The worst thing that's going to happen is what? Like, like if that means that Deuce McBride doesn't play, fine. I don't. That's fine with me. Cool. Deuce can go sit and he can figure out how to shoot like he does in the G League. Uh, you know, and college and yeah, everywhere he, else. Is- he can figure out how the fuck he's going to do that. I don't really give a shit. They've got to find out what they have in the eighth overall pick they took in 2020. Because what they're doing to him is a disservice. And they're not like. You, do look, you think it affects player relationships, though? Because. No, I don't. I think that entire thing is stupid as shit. Like uh, generational wealth being taken away from Obi Toppin. And- yeah, like, do I feel bad for those guys? Yeah, I do. Like, I, I do feel bad for, like, when you don't give guys the opportunity to maximize their earnings. But, like, like, let's be real. RJ's probably happy with all the minutes he's played in his career here. Randall's very happy with Upshur with this organization. Brunson loves it here. He loves all his family and godfathers and whatever other fucking relatives that he has involved in the team. Uh, I'm sure Quickly is plenty happy with his minutes. Now. Yeah. yeah. But I'm sure he's plenty happy. Like he's well, We know he happy. wasn't happy before. Right. But he's yeah, happy now. That's all that matters. Is a, these are not, like, static things, right? Like, Obi might be very unhappy right now, for all we know. Um, behind all the you know, happy-go-lucky Obi stuff. Maybe he's pissed off in the background. I'd be shocked if he's not at least somewhat unhappy about his role in minutes. Um, but you know what? If all of a sudden you're like, you're playing 20 minutes every night, guess what? He'd probably be pretty happy. He'd be like, okay, great. This is fucking fantastic. I get to play every night. I get 20 minutes. I get 10 minutes each half. Uh, I get to actually show what I'm doing. I get to get into a rhythm. Like, I'm sure he'd be happy. Like, these are not permanent states of affair, a state of affairs, right? Like, Quickly was probably unhappy to start the year. Now he's probably happy. Mitchell Robinson probably was unhappy at various points during his time in New York because he didn't feel valued. And then he got a contract, and I'm sure he's fucking thrilled now. Like, things change. Things are, you know, they're always fluid. So I, I don't think that's a major issue. And and to be honest, like the Cam thing, like he's probably just not playing, like we talked about, because they have an agreement with his agents to fucking move him as soon as they get a deal that, like, makes sense. Um, so... I'm not that worried about that. I just, I, look, the OB thing is just really, I can't, 
I don't know. That that game yesterday, maybe because I had to watch like the dumbest three hours of football I've watched maybe in my entire life. Aside, actually, no, that's not true. But it was a pretty miserable three hours. Uh, and then it's I, even worse I, than TCU Michigan. I guess you care uh, about the Bills more, but <laughs> it definitely was much worse than that. Uh, but like to to go from that and then immediately flip the next game, and it's like, like again, it's not the winning and losing that bothers me. It's just. Fucking try something different, man. Like, Mitch is not out there. And that sucks, and I get that. And, like, I understand that you love a specific defensive scheme that this roster and it is probably suited for best, and more specifically that, like, Mitch is absolutely critical to. But, like, he's not there. So you've got to figure it out. And, like... You want to call this guy a defensive mastermind, defensive guru, whatever the fuck you want to call yeah, him. Yeah, 139 against – who was it we played before Toronto? I don't fucking know anymore. Atlanta. Uh, and 139 against Atlanta. Um, 116 against the Wizards, 123 against Toronto in overtime before that, and then 125 yesterday in regulation against Toronto. So it's a pretty bad defensive stretch. And two of those games, at least one and a half of those games, I should say, or Mitch one and played. a quarter of those games, Mitch played. So, like, it, at some point, if you're a defensive mastermind, a defensive guru, tactician, whatever the fuck you want to call it, does it? Do I expect the defense to be as good without Mitchell Robinson? Absolutely not. I'm not a moron. You know, I, I get like you're just not going to be as good defensively without it. The guy's a very good defensive player, and especially yesterday without Quickly, you're going it's going to hurt even more, right? Because Quickly is probably your second best defensive player on aggregate this year. You've got to find a way. To, to get manufacturer stops like this is so like great defensive court like Mike Tomlin is probably one of the great defensive coaches in football. Great performance in love and yeah. basketball too, by the way. Yes, very good one. Um, but he's probably the best or one of the best anyway of all time, and certainly in this generation. That guy, no matter how many injuries the Steelers have every year, will just find a way to like, you know, fucking just do all kinds of fuckery to somehow manufacture like a top 10 defense and win nine games and usually sneak into the playoffs, right? Like no matter how many injuries they have, no matter how washed big Ben is, no matter if they have fucking Kenny you know, Pickett, Kenny Pickett or fucking uh, what's the other guy that can't think of his name right now. The bears guy, Trubisky back there. Like it doesn't matter, right? He just finds a way. And I'm not saying Tibbs has to win. You know, he should be winning at the same rate. no, but you got to find ways to get wins. You got you have to find ways to get wins, and specifically. And every him, playoff team has to go through that, by the way, right? Yeah, Atlanta was, was missing Trey Young. Sick. Atlanta was missing, or not Trey? They were missing Murray. Every every team goes through this, right? Milwaukee has been without Chris Middleton for the whole fucking year, basically. And they they've missed Deion a bunch of games recently. Yeah, so like every team goes through this and has to find ways to deal with it. So yeah, that's and, not and, an excuse, really. And and here's. Okay, so he, it's funny you brought that up. Actually, it reminds me of something I wanted to bring up. Okay. Uh, these are, okay, I'm just going to list this off. By defensive rating, the Knicks right now rank 13th in the NBA. They're tied with the Minnesota Timberwolves, who have missed who? Rudy, Go, Rudy Gobert for a shit ton of games this year, actually. And Carl Anthony Towns, which might help their defense, actually. Um, but they're tied for 13th in defensive rating in the NBA. Okay? I'm going to just list the 12, the, the 12 teams out of them in order from 12 to 1. All right. Chicago Bulls, 113.1 defensive rating. Phoenix Suns. The Chicago Bulls. Yep. We're starting Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and 
Nikola Vucevic have a higher defensive rating than the supposed defensive-minded Knicks? Yep. Uh, yep. Phoenix Suns, 11. 112.6 defensive rating. They have missed Devin Booker for a bunch of time. They missed Chris Paul for a bunch of time. They've missed fucking Cam Johnson for a bunch of that time. That's a lot, and they're still ahead of the Knicks. Clippers, who are basically just God knows what lineup they're putting out every game. The Los Angeles load management, you might as well call yeah. it that. Right? 112 defensive rating. Oklahoma City Thunder, probably the one team on here who, one, is surprising at just as a season, like their season performance. But That know, is they, playing for Victor Rambanyama at some point. Yeah, but but they, they, they also have been relatively healthy this year, which is funny. Um, but they have a 111.7 defensive rating. They rank ninth. Pelicans, eighth, 111.4. They have missed Zion and Ingram, which probably helps their defense, to be fair. Uh, Brooklyn Nets, seventh, 111.4. Miami Heat, 111, number six. Boston Celtics, who missed Robert Williams for a shit ton of the season, uh, 110.8. Philadelphia 76ers, 110.8. They're the fourth. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks, one Starting James Harden and Tobias Harris, by the way. And, and Tyrese Maxey for a lot of the season, who is not a good defender at all. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks, third, 110.3 defensive rating. Cleveland Cavaliers, who have had Garland miss a bunch of time. And Mobley miss Well, that probably helps the team. Yeah, probably does. And Allen miss a bunch of time. And who have, who play Kevin Love a shit ton of minutes. Like, who have zero wing, like, probably have worse wing depth than the Knicks. One, not 109.7 defensive rating. Memphis Grizzlies, 109.2 defensive rating. They miss Jaron Jackson to start the year. Uh, their defense wasn't as good, but now they're playing at an elite, elite level. Like, my point isn't that the Knicks should be better than all these teams on defense, but like, you can't tell me that all like all those teams, most most of those teams have had to deal with significant injuries for lo- much longer than the Knicks have, and ones that hurt them on the defensive end, right? Like, the Knicks only just lost Mitch. Like, like he he played most of the season before this. Well, I, I mean, I would. Who would you say the second best defender is on the Knicks? Quickly. And they're also miss they missed him yesterday, right? Right. But that's the first game he's missed all year. Yeah. Like, no, I mean but that's kind of the the thing is this and that goes back to the if the Knicks get there is no when's the last time you, you saw a playoff series beyond the first round where everyone is healthy? Yeah, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And you need to be able to be creative in those situations. And Tibbs sometimes has gotten creative, but you know, if there's if there's just taboos, you know, he he views he views playing Obi or Randall at the three as like, or, or you know, op- or playing them together at the five the same way like, you know, Indian parents view a kid not being a doctor and engineer, right? Like it's just fucking it's nuts, like it's unacceptable, and um and and that's the but that's the point I was making is like, eventually if he has that roster where you're like, look, we are a contender, all right, like. You know, not the situation where, like, well, if we play Boston, you know, Tatum and Brown are, are players that are better than everyone else on the roster. You know, it's a situation where we, we have the guns to go against these guys. The kind of situation you're going to see, you know, in, in the playoffs in, in the NFL. Um, you know, you're seeing Eagles, Niners. I am 100% going to judge our coach on the fact that I think the 49ers are a great team. But I think that the Eagles have the talent to, to, to win that. I think they have the talent to beat, to beat the Chiefs. And, and it comes, and like, they are going to be judged on can you get creative when, when the, the, the skills are not in your, it, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not diminish, diminishing, like, it still takes skill, even if you have a talent advantage. 
in, in at this level, even a small talent advantage can be negated by bad coaching, right? So being able to exploit that is important. But when the when it's even, that's when it makes the most difference overall. I mean, the Spurs won five titles. They weren't always the most talented team. I don't think they were better than the Heat in 2014. And that was probably one of Pop, Pop's best team, and he dominated them. Uh, but the other team had LeBron fucking James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. And, and you know, he was able to... And, and he outcoached a, a hell of a coach in Eric Spolstra. You need to be able to... So, like, if that's the end game with this Tibbs thing, that, like, one day he'll have the talent and then we can judge him. No! Because, like, those things, you can extrapolate now and say, when he's shorthanded now, can he win a game against, by the way, a worse team in the Toronto Raptors? He couldn't. And and why why would that give me confidence that, you know, if they were to get Jalen Brown or something or Tatum or something... Like that, he would be able to creative enough that would you know that he could out uh, out scheme Milwaukee or out scheme one of those teams. There's no confidence there, absolutely. So then he lost a play. He got out schemed. He and he consistently gets out schemed and outworked by Nate McMillan. So like that says it all to me. Yeah, and I mean, in Chicago, I think the the playoff series he showed out the best is the best in was when he was missing a bunch of dudes. But uh, but he, you know it's it's not um, it's not happening right now. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, why we, you know, you mentioned the bench. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on Deuce McBride right now? Do you think he needs to sit? Do you think he needs G League reps? Because um, I know he's kind of become a little bit of a um, a pariah almost on the Knicks uh, the Knicks fan base. Uh, come on, Deuce, right? Yeah. I don't really care. I just keep putting him out there. I'd actually. Put Are you there. concerned at all about his long term future? I mean, if you compare him to a guy like Frank, who obviously, you know, I I think he is further along, or I'm more confident than I was in Frank. But, uh, I mean, is it just? I mean, I I just keep putting him out there. Like, and if anything, I'd be like, like I, I didn't mind how we played yesterday. I thought it was okay. Like. I know he went over three from the field. He didn't hesitate on any shots yesterday. Um, both threes he took are ones that you want him to take. And the midi pull up he took, maybe he should have kicked that out. But I don't hate him taking that shot. Like, I want him to shoot. I want him to keep looking for a shot. Um, but, like, that's just. I don't know. I I don't really know what else to say. Like because right now, you need guys to eat some minutes, and I'd rather have him eat minutes than Evan Fournier. I'd rather have him eat minutes than Derrick Rose, and it's really as simple as that for me. And like if we're gonna go into a world where we don't even no, want but to- I, I but I think we don't. It, it's not that's not the only conversation. It's like you know, like what do you think? Do you think he needs to change his approach? Do you think he needs to? I think he's just know. gotta make shots. Like I don't and I don't know what that like. It, when I watch him shoot, it doesn't look like his shot is broken or anything. It doesn't look like that. It just looks like he's missing. And he looks like, actually, I think the last two or three games, I'm, I feel better about it because he's just pulling the trigger. He doesn't, he's not hesitating as much, which is usually the biggest issue. Um, he's got, <laughs> he's got to like, I mean, anytime he puts the ball on the floor right now, it feels like he's thinking way too hard. So that's its own thing, but like, just shooting. I mean, like if you if you want my what I think we should do with him, he should never bring the ball up before. 
and I don't think he ever needs to, considering the lineups he plays in. And all I'd want him doing is waiting on the second side of actions and either shoot a three, attack a closeout, or swing it. Swing it. I don't want him doing anything else. Um, I, I basically want him to do what we have, like Grimes doing the starting lineup. And I'd be like, I'm perfectly okay with that. I don't want him. I don't, I don't want him dribbling the ball to the floor and having to set up the offense. I don't want him to think about any of that shit. I want him to just clear mind, second side of the second side actions, spot up. If you get a, if you get if you can attack a closeout, great. If you get open for a three, pull the trigger. If neither of those is available, move the ball. That's it. I don't think it needs to be complicated for him. And if anything, I would try to avoid making. I mean, I think it does bother me a little bit that he's just allergic to the paint. Like, there's been lots of times where he just gets a step on his defender, and then he just doesn't go anywhere, and then that that hurts your shooting too, right? That 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 affects a lot of things. Um, and I do think he needs to be stopped being allergic to the paint. I thought his defense was actually much better yesterday. Um, another reason I would have played him over Evan Fournier is um, he was the only defender that didn't just get cooked by Fred Van Fleet. Um, in 2023, so um, you know, I I think that he's catching a lot of hate, but I I, you, I think yeah, like I'm with you. Like I I saw the worst shooter I've ever seen play point guard for the Knicks have to start over Emmanuel quickly for a year, and they got the fourth seed. So <laughs> if that was okay, I think it's okay to play Deuce, you know, 10 15 minutes a game. Though I do agree with what you were saying before that yeah, if he's on the floor with quickly, quickly should very much be the point guard. Yeah, and I, look, this is this is probably my other this is my biggest pet peeve with Tibbs in general this year, and especially lately. He's got three guys that he absolutely trusts to create shots, right? Brunson, Randall, RJ, I think that's fair to say. He like semi trusts quickly, but it's not at the same level as those three guys. I would add Mitch in the four, but yeah. As somebody he trusts to create shots. Oh, sorry. I, I mean, look, I know, I know, Mitch has put the ball on the deck a few times, but um, <laughs> you, you clearly don't spend it. You, you touted the Strickland's Instagram page, bro. You got to spend more time on Instagram. That's that's where um, the, the the Mitchell Robinson creation comes from. But like, it's uh, I, so I think those those three guys are like the ones he trusts to create. You should be able to have two of those three guys on the floor at all times. Like, there's really no reason not to. At least one, uh, but yeah. I, I just think you, I mean, I think it should just be two at all times. I mean, he has one at all times for sure. I think you can have two. Um, when it's think... RJ and Randall without Brunson, I'm a little bit, although Brunson's, we should talk about it too. Brunson's passing has been fucking terrible the last few games. Yeah. Well, anyway. I actually, I actually like quickly with those guys. Um, uh, quickly with anyone, man. Like the yeah. dude plays well with anyone, but. Yeah, I mean, but I think he actually. When, so the it's funny because when he plays with them without Brunson, I think he does a good job of just like getting them organized. And even if the the play is ultimately to just get them some favorable ISO or an action, like in RJ's case, set up like a pistol action for him, he does that I think better than Brunson. Brunson's pretty like he's kind of like he's very improvisational. So I actually think a lot of times it's hard to play with him in the sense of like. You're not quite sure what he's going to do. Um, by the way, it, quickly, RJ Randall. Uh, hold on, let me take Brunson, Brunson in. I want to see what these minutes look like. Um, so, 
quickly Randall quickly Randall RJ without Brunson on the floor. Uh they've only played seventy two minutes this year. Uh they have a plus eighteen point four nine net rating. The funniest thing about this is that they're actually only shooting twenty eight point eight one percent from three in those minutes. Granted opponents are only shooting twenty two percent from three. I just think that's funny. Um that they're actually been that good. But like my point is more just well, I, I just think like what I would this is what I would prefer to be the rotations is I would have quickly come in for Brunson as the first sub. Then I would have Grimes go out for Deuce at some point at the end of the first, towards the end of the first quarter. And then the first sub to start the second quarter. And then I would have Obi come in uh, for Randall at some point, probably for the, like the last minute or two of the first quarter. Then I would bring Brunson back in for, you know, the start of the second quarter, probably for Deuce. And like, yeah, like if you're gonna play Deuce ten minutes, I would rather it be at the end of the first and at the end of the third than at the start of the second and the start of the fourth, because especially that start of the fourth period tends to kill us, and that's usually when we have quickly R.J. Deuce, O.B. Hartenstein, and like, I don't know, it it feels like we're always stuck a little bit offensively in that moment for whatever reason, unless quickly's got it going, which he has to be fair lately. Um, I understand it's not easy to do this stuff, like stagger, so you have two of the three guys in the portal times. There's just too many like stretches to start the second and fourth quarter where we don't have two of those guys, and I don't really understand it because I think that's a stretch, especially that fourth quarter one where you want those guys on the floor. It worked better when like our bench was, you know, like the first year, right, with Tibbs when we had Burks and Rose and quickly. That you could you could get away with like having a super bench heavy lineup to start the fourth quarter because arguably two of those guys were our best shot creators that year. Um but like it's not the same, right? Deuce obviously doesn't have that confidence. And I don't know, it, it the quickly RJ minutes lately, especially with the bench has been off. I don't know like who that's on. I, I don't I don't even know if that's like on Tim's necessarily. It just feels weird. I wonder if there's something going on with like they don't work well with Hartenstein. I don't know. But it's also because they've been playing slower before the last couple of games. Um, I think they need to play fast. If they play fast, those guys can get into the offense more. But, like, either way, I just think you can play two of those three guys for, like, probably closer to 42 minutes a night um, at all times. So, yeah. Yeah. Um uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think there's a lot of issues with the um, with the um, the rotations. Um, kind of moving. So, you know, if Mitch is going to be out for an extended period of time, do you think you know, even if it involves firing Tibbs, do you think the front office should be pushing for a playoff spot? Do you think we should be playing one Frenchman more in order to get to set our sights on? Another intriguing freshman who we could add to the team, um, preferably this uh, Frenchman, sorry, who would also be a freshman next year, um, to the team in the draft next year. Uh, you know, what, what kind of are your thoughts moving forward? Because, you know, the fact is they're going to play a lot better teams than the Raptors. And 
as much as we can blame Tibbs for yesterday, the reality is they are shorthanded and depleted. And, um, you know, Cam isn't going to change that. Uh, more deuce minutes are going to change that. Benching Fournier isn't going to change that. So, you know, is there, um, you know, is I, I don't know if I would use the word tank, but is there a pivot in terms of the priorities of the front office? Do you think if they miss Mitch for a month, then the front office, it seems like the front office was held to the standard of you have to make the playoffs, period. Do you think they should be held to that now? Or do you think there's, you know, and, and also does that impact, you know, if you do try to trade for a guy like Gary Trent Jr. or Eric Gordon or someone that could have been, you know, the guy to help with the playoff push, you know, does that change now with Mitch out for an extended period of time during a tough stretch, which could, you know, pretty much submarine the Knicks' hopes of certainly getting, uh, certainly being in the sixth seed, but maybe even the plan, right? Uh, good question. And I'm going to answer that. But first, four NFL teams, unfortunately not mine, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg. You add up you add up to 100%. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the free on the sorry, wow, on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, I mean, I fly think Eagles fly, baby. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, that must be nice. Uh, I don't know what should the front office. I don't know. I mean, the front office probably has it's not even just office. the front office, but what should what should the next goals be? Right. I mean, I think the goal should be exactly what they've been: play your young guys a lot and try to see what happens. To the extent that they should maybe trade for a guy like Gary Trent Jr. Or Eric Gordon, or you know, one of these I mean, guys. Gordon, I would ask. be fine with. Who's like a low minute? Like he's probably not going to run too much. Apparently, Houston's steadfast. They want a first round pick for him, which obviously don't do that. Um, but like, you know, if you can get him for Cam and a second round pick, sure, I don't mind. You know, Cam Rose expiring and second round pick for Eric Gordon, be my guest. That's fine with me. Um, but like, if you're going to if you're not going to make any moves, which, you know, other than like, let's say all the only move you're going to make is trade Cam for like an expiring and second round picks or something. Okay. Then just, that's fine. Again, like, th- then my only demand, request, however you want to put it, is play OB 20 minutes a night. That's it. Other than that, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. But do, you think, do you think succeed at all costs, which I think was probably the goal before Mitch got hurt, is still a reasonable goal? Or do you think they should, I mean, you know, do you think they should be shifting their priorities away from wins more towards? Um, well, I, don't know, how, I mean, how do you? I don't see how you. There's no way to shift, like to to not try to win with this team. Is the way I look at it. Like your young guys that you would want to play if you're doing like a lean into the tank type thing, are probably too good to tank. So you know, there's really no point to me in whether they should tank or not tank. Like, I mean, if you want to say they should play Brunson only like 34 minutes a night and Randall 32 minutes a night and just live with the results. Like, yeah, I, I tend to agree with that, you know, if they want to cut down those guys minutes, but 
other like I don't know how much that really moves the baseline, and I don't even know if that necessarily makes it worse. It might actually make it better because there might be less gas at the end of games. Um, so I, I don't know. I just I don't think much has changed for the front office in terms of what their goal should be. If the front office misses the play, like it is very conceivable, if not likely. And for those who are going to bring this back up and say, you gave up on the Knicks, I'm not doing that. But if you look at their schedule coming up, you got the Cavs tomorrow. Um, I don't know who is going to deal with that front line, but it's certainly not the players who have been playing. Um, they're going against, you know, potentially the prohibitive finals favorite in the Celtics uh, two days after that in Boston. Um, they have a home game at the Barclays Center on Saturday, um, and it will be a home game probably, but um, but they have never beaten the Nets in the Tibbs era, even when the Nets have been depleted. Um, they come home to face a Lakers team that's playing really well. Um, it appears that there's a chance that that could be a chance for LeBron to set the scoring record. Um, they get the Heat at home, another tough team, Clippers at home. Sixers at home, then they go to Orlando, which is really the only easy game in the stretch. Then they come home, then they go to Philadelphia, which is a healthy and an improving team. Um, this is a stretch where, you know, then they get the Nets again at home. And the last game before the All-Star break is on the road in Atlanta. This is a, game, this is a stretch of like 9, 10, 11 games where they, they might win only two or three. Um, you know, the Knicks will probably, I mean, we can probably agree that this front office is never going to tank, right? But if they were to miss the playoffs and get a high draft pick, do you think that would put their jobs in jeopardy? You're on mute, I think. Sorry. I think it just depends on how you miss the playoffs. So if they go 40, let's say they finish 41-41 and they lose in the play-in, I think they're probably safe. Yeah, but I would um, rather they. I would rather be in the women Yama sweepstakes than do that. Well, you'd be in the women Yama sweepstakes if you by like one percent. I'm talking about like a legitimate chance. Well, what, or like the you're, chance you're, you're already twenty five and twenty three. Like, how are you getting into the Wemby stakes? Like, you're, by like losing so, you're, so you're gonna, you're going to shut down Randall? You're going to shut down Brunson? Is that like what's the plan here to do this? Yeah, but then I don't think they should get fired even if. No matter what, I don't even think you should get fired if the team does lose a lot of games playing them. Uh, I mean, because like, what are we gonna say? Like, they were wrong to get Jalen Brunson. I don't think anyone's gonna say that. Um, like, I I don't see how they're like. It's weird because the team is underachieving right now, and there's a good chance that they don't make the playoffs. But is this front office safe for this year? For this year, yeah, I would definitely say they're like, safe. I I can't think of a scenario in which they get. I mean, I think they could get fired at the end of the year. But why? Like, if they miss the playoffs, the Mitch is, I think, a big enough excuse where they can say no. <laughs> I do think there I might would, be I, if they, if they miss the get... If they miss the playoffs because Mitch was out for three weeks, I I would fire them if they were unwilling to move on from Tibbs at that point. So it's Tibbs that's the sticking. Well, no, it's, it's, it's <laughs> like, if you... This is okay. The way I view it is this: Let's say Mitch is out; he's getting reevaluated in three weeks. Let's say he actually misses a month, okay? We'll just say four weeks. If you go from what was, they were twenty-three and 
or 25 and... He gets uh, revalidated right at All-Star break. So it probably comes back after the All-Star yeah. break. So whatever. They were 25 and 21 basically when he gets hurt, right? If you go from that to we're hanging on by a thread for the last plan spot, I think that's pretty damning on somebody. Because as good as Mitch is, if you can't find a way to get through a few weeks without him, a month without him, that's unacceptable to me. Either and th- that and that's at that point, like it's either on Tibbs or it's on all of them. And if they don't want to pin it on Tibbs, then it's on all of them. That's how I feel about it. Like you, you can't. We we can't just keep saying, "Well, Mitch was hurt," and this. Yeah, injuries happen. Like I mean, look, and and to Tibbs's credit. When Mitch got hurt in 2020, 2021, we were able to hold the fort. We actually went on our best run that season without him. And that, that's obviously not because Mitch was not important or good to that team. But there are ways. You can find a way to figure this shit out. And yes, our bench was better. We had more depth. But I would say our top-end talent was nowhere near as good. I don't think I think Julius is better this year than he was that year. I think Brunson is better, by far better than anybody else we had on that roster that year. Uh, I think RJ is clearly better than he was that year. Quickly is better than he was that year. Like, you know, like, I don't... Grimes is better. He's as good, at least, as Bullock, in my opinion. You know, I, I don't really... God, if that's even a conversation, that's right. And, like, so, yeah, you don't have Rose from that year. You don't have Burks. You don't have the depth, right? But, like, you still got some good pieces. And you got better top-end talent, so... And I know the the conference is better and the league is better, but like your talent is also better. So I don't know. Like it has to be on somebody. So if they're not gonna, if they don't want to put it on Tibbs, which is, by the way, I think that'd be fine if they don't want to put it on Tibbs because, you know, whatever. You don't want to pin it on a guy. Fine, but guess what? Then it's on all of you. And um, I just don't see that happening. I think if they miss the playoffs entirely this year, somebody. I think that would probably cost Tibbs his job. That's what I think. I don't know if that's... But not Leon's job. Again, it just depends how. If they just melt down from here, I think they. I think Dolan would probably clean, her, clean house. Even if it gets them, like, the first overall pick? That yeah, but, he doesn't, but he doesn't need... Just to trade it out of Wembenyama. Yeah, that's that. what I'm saying. He doesn't need them to draft Victor Wembenyama. You know what I mean? Like, the pick at that point is who's ever... I mean, and, and think of it this way. You can clean house, but, like... You could be like Leon, you're gone. Tibbs, you're gone. Wes, you're gone. But you could keep Perrin. You can keep Perry. You can keep those guys. Like, there's no. Well, I don't know reason. if you want to keep Scott Perry, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, just saying. I'm saying like these are all guys you keep. So just because you're cleaning house at the top doesn't mean everybody goes. Um, but I, yeah, I don't think I. I just don't see how you, if they just melt down from here, you can be like, well, it's not what you could do. I mean, at that point, if you melt down from here, that would be like that would really drive home how some of these vets, like I'm not somebody that kills them for it because I just think like sometimes you fuck up and you have to accept it. And they've done that and they pivoted and found a way to make all that into Brunson and shit like that. But like, if you're not getting anything out of Rose, which is 14 and a half million, if you're not getting anything out of Fournier, which is 18 million, if Hartenstein is continuing to play like a pumpkin, that's nine and a half million. You're talking about 41 plus million dollars that you paid for this year and got, fucking shitty negative ROI on, right? Like, your return of investment, there's garbage. So, if you're an owner, you'd be like, well, why the fuck am I spending this money? 
if these guys, like, it, you told me we're going to make the playoffs, and I understand injuries happen, but then how come these guys can't help us make the playoffs? Why are they doing absolutely nothing? And so, like, if anything, this is why I think they need to make a move at the deadline. Um, and, like, you know, you mentioned Gary Trent Jr. Like, you know, there's a lot of schools of thought on Gary Trent Jr. And should they go for him? If he got to play against the Knicks every game, he's probably a max player, right? So. Yeah, probably. I mean, he's a, he's obviously a good three-point shooter. He's shot 38.5% for his career. He's at 36.7. Solid year. athlete. Threw one down on Sims yesterday. Which yeah, that was, was, that was an impressive called. take. Uh, he's averaging 18.7 points per game. He is at 57 and a half true shooting. He's been like a middling efficiency guy, 55 for his career. So there's a little bit of Courtney Lee to him. Uh, but he's 24 years old. Like, I don't know. Like I, to me, if you, I'm not sure what their plans are. My guess, I'll just be, put my cards on the table. My guess is I think that they, their plan or goal anyway is to add at least two rotation guys into the mix moving into end of the season into next year. Um be at be it via the draft or the mid level exception, whatever. They're gonna have two guys that they need they I think they need to add two rotation guys. I think they know that. I think they also know that they probably need to add wings. Um and then I think the goal is play that out next year and then make a big trade for a star in 2024. That's what I think their plan is. And that and and also to try to keep your cap space somewhat clean for 2024. That's my guess. Now, should they be willing to deviate from that? I think they should. Um I think a guy like Gary Trent Jr. is interesting. Like you'd have to know, you'd have to have a pretty decent idea of what contract he's looking for cuz he's going to be a free agent this upcoming offseason, but like you know, I think there's a decent player in there. He does the things that the Knicks need like more of, right? He's a really good three-point shooter, um, or at least a solid one. He's somebody I'd be pretty interested in. And if you can keep him at a reasonable price point, you know, let's say you're talking about Kevin Herter money or something like that, which is like four years, 60 million for him. Um, Four years, seventy maybe. Like inflation, not in this economy, but but yeah, I think we'll that, see. But I mean, something in that range, like I would be okay with that. Would they? I don't know. This and so, I think I just think that like if you can turn one of your protected first and have a forty into that, you should probably go ahead and do it um, and be willing to pay a price to keep him. Again, you'd have to know before you make the deal, you know, because you, you would not. You just have to somehow. Talk to his agent, um, maybe, and get an idea of what he's looking for, even though tampering doesn't exist in the NBA. Um, Except if you're the free agent's dad, then that's tampering. Right. Um, but, like, if you ha- if you can get an idea of what he's looking for and you're comfortable with that, I think that's a pretty interesting guy to go after. Uh, I've also advocated, like, hey, trade for Gordon Hayward. I imagine... I have no intel or especially if you can get McDaniels attached to that. that Yeah, maybe. Um, but like, you know, can you do Rose and Fournier and a protected first for or not a protected first? Really, I would just offer those guys straight up for Hayward. Because it's like, hey dude, do you want to just get off some of that money and get a guy that Steve Clifford likes as coach before? Like, is that is that okay? Because who the fuck is really giving up value for Gordon Hayward at this point? You know, um, I don't know, but like, there's guys out there they should definitely look at and kick the tires on. But like, 
what is the right price for any of this stuff is a little bit harder to figure out. Caruso is obviously another one. Um, you know, his usage is super low, but I do think there's value in playing him with quickly and making quickly more of an off ball guy and let him focus on scoring a little bit more than he has to right now. Um, so I don't know. There's, there's ways they can go. I think they definitely need to make a move though. They, they have to, because this is not sustainable. What Tibbs has them doing. And if they're attached to Tibbs, then it's on them to get him somebody that can help lighten the load that he's putting on a lot of these dudes. Um, on the Gary Trent Jr. piece specifically, um, so obviously friend of the pod, contributor to Strickland, Jeremy Cohen, uh, posted a tweet today, which there was a good amount of interaction on. Um, but, you know, his essential theory is that the front office is going to be focusing on 2024 free agency. So he said that the targets would be players that would be free agents in 2024, which would outlaw, or not outlaw, um, you know, it would rule out a guy like Gary Trent Jr. from being in that consideration. Uh, how much credence do you put in, I mean, I'm not saying how much credence do you put in Jeremy, because I think that he's probably right about the, the but do you think that is a big, you know, uh, factor in the Knicks um, front office is thinking, uh, you know, that 2024 free agency. And cause it, I think it's tough for, to tell for a lot of fans, like, you know, you play for now, you, you play for the future and you, you have an eye on the future. Um, you know, what is kind of your, your impression on how they might be weighing that in their acquisition strategy? Um, I mean, I, I, I agree with them. I think that's probably what they're going to do. I just don't think they should. To the extent that that would rule out, like, do you think they would pass on a guy like Gary Jr. if it cost, let's say, just the Dallas pick and like Ham and Filler? You know, do you think that would they would be that willing to say that? No, we we want twenty twenty four. We're not going to commit to him for that. I mean, what what is it? It's just Cam. Cam. When you say Cam and Filler, like no picks involved. Fournier, Rose, something like that. You know, those kind of nothing. Nothing we're gonna we're gonna miss. Maybe more seconds. I don't know, but. Just the the core of the deal being a first round, um, you know, like one of the first, first round protected picks, probably Dallas. Uh, yeah, I think they probably would say no to that. Uh, the Knicks or the Raptors? Well, the Raptors, I think, would. The Raptors would I, probably get better offers than that, but do you think the Knicks would say no? I think they would say no. Like I, I don't. It's impossible. Like the thing is, I if they want to keep twenty twenty four cap space open, and that's the most important for, thing for them, then they would say no because Kerry Trent Jr. is going to get paid this summer. But they also summer. want to make the playoffs, and he would move the needle there, right? I think he would, uh, but I also think they can. They probably would bet that they can find um, that they can find value for cheaper elsewhere. Like that, that, I think they're trying to find a Derrick Rose type of trade, effectively. Yeah, I mean, but I don't know if that gets it done, right, for the playoffs right now, especially if they're missing so much. And and as we've seen with a lot of their pieces, you know, a friend of the pod, again, Frank Barrett, had a good tweet today, and he basically it was too real. It was like basically the they you know let's Grayson Allen has been mentioned. We can talk about him as a, as a target. But, I would like them to add Grayson Allen, by the way. Well, they say Grayson Allen, what's going to happen, right? 
they put him in on the bench in like a secondary ball handler type of role and a standstill shooter. Or so he comes in a few games, he shoots the lights out. Everyone's like, see, this is what happens when you get a real shooter. But then he's used as a standstill shooter and a secondary ball handler. It doesn't work out. He gets relegated to the bench. And everyone's like, he was the wrong guy to go after. And I mean, I think that was an implicit Tibbs critique. You know, do you not worry about that kind of being the thing with any of these guys, for that matter? Um, I don't think so. I I think again the so if they don't get, let's say they don't do anything, it's like let's just say they literally don't do anything. I still think this roster should be finishing in the play-in. Um, and well, yeah, I mean the East, the bottom of the East. I mean they shouldn't be finishing beyond the Wizards, so. Yeah, I mean, we laughed, but the Wizards also fucking took us to Pound Town last week. Um, we got like, rid of Louis Hachimura, man. That guy would have changed the Knicks' whole trajectory. They got rid of him. It's so funny because it's like, where's Rui going to play? We also we already can't play Ovi, so where the fuck are we going to trade? Well, I asked my friend who's a Lakers fan, and I was like, isn't Rui just Thomas Bryant? <laughs> like, what is he giving that Thomas Bryant doesn't? And he was like, well, there's untapped wing defense maybe, but... I mean, the the Lakers just need dudes. They just need fucking bodies. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I I think they well, I think they're going to be pretty careful. They've not shown the willingness to overpay for stuff like this. You know, um, they've been pretty stingy with trading out picks. I do think they would trade out a pick for at a certain point, but like. Me personally, I think it's probably worth it to do it for Gary Trent Jr. I like that he's only 24 years old. I think that you're adding a guy who could be useful salary filler in a trade down the line, um, but also fits in with kind of like what your team is currently. But he's like a veteran, like he's like a young veteran, right? So, you know, uh, I know that he's not a perfect player. He's got issues defensively, and he doesn't pass the ball very well. But that would one that would fit in perfectly with the Knicks. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, he's a decent steals guy. He's okay. He's 2.7 steal percentage this year. I think he's like an okay defender, not a great one, not maybe not even a good one, but an okay one. He's kind of a black hole at times offensively, but I do think the Knicks really could use somebody like him that has, seems pretty comfortable pulling up. Uh, he definitely has confidence taking any shot. Like, I love Grimes. Grimes hasn't shown any consistency or ability yet to be a pull-up mid-range guy to any degree. Um, and he doesn't, or at least he hasn't shown yet that he's going to take a bunch of pull-up threes. I do think he has that ability. He just hasn't done it yet. But, like, I do think Gary Trent has that kind of confidence in himself. There's a little bit of J.R. Smith to, to Gary Trent, which I think is good. Yeah, and I think he's more polished um, than... Jarrah was the same part of his career. Um, shifting gears a bit to the rest of the NBA, uh, there are a few other big things that happened this week. Uh, I am curious, what are your thoughts on kind of the whole Shannon Sharp thing with the Lakers? And uh, the Grizzlies? I just think I think that entire Grizzlies team is so lame, man. I, what are you, what, what's going on here? Why is Dylan Brooks talking shit to to a Hall of Famer. 
you know. I, in a different just, sport. Yeah, and one that, you know, Dylan Brooks probably wouldn't play, can't play. Dylan Brooks should, he's not a Hall of Famer. Uh, he sucks, and he's a fucking massive loser. And Doesn't have the brain cells to spare to play football either. Definitely does not. Yeah, I just, that entire situation seemed really stupid to me. Like, honestly, from all perspectives, like, I don't know why Shannon Sharp's necessarily getting involved there, too, but, you know, what the fuck is, Jog gets involved, and then, like, got his dad going over. It's just so stupid. Yeah, it was crazy, like, Shannon Sharp's, like, putting up 405 on bench press at 54. Like, that's pretty nuts. I mean, uh, well, the question we got to ask is, who would win in a fight? The real, no one was worried about a Dylan Brooks-Shannon Sharp fight. Like, you know Dylan Brooks is. But there was one person involved in that scuffle who probably does have the confidence to take on Shannon Sharp, even if it's unwarranted. Uh, who wins between uh, Cal Drogo, a.k.a. Steven Adams, and, um, and Shannon Sharp? In a fight, I know you're more of a UF, UFC guy and, and a boxing guy than me, so I think uh, your opinion is probably uh, going to carry more weight here. Uh, would Ch- would Shannon Sharp get his ass kicked by Stephen Adams? That's the question. Who would win that fight? I think Stephen Adams would probably win that fight. Uh, he's bigger. He's apparently made of like steel. And he's got the reach and everything. Yeah, I would probably go with. I would. I would go with 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 Adams. Yeah, as strong as Shannon Sharp is. I'm not sure. Like, I feel like Stephen Adams definitely knows how to fight. I'm not sure. Like Shannon Sharp, I'm sure knows how to scrap and like wrestle and shit. But if you're just talking about like fist fight, I'm thinking Stephen Adams. That's fair. I probably agree, and he has the reach too. Uh, also. As strong as Shannon Sharp is, 54 is 54. Um, and that's got to be tough to manage. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, so I, I mean, I think it seems like you're pretty sanguine about where the Knicks are, though, right? Going forward and, you know, what's going to happen. I mean, do you think, do you expect them to come out of the stretch 500, like the next before the All-Star break? Uh... It would require some real. Tim said we need to change a few things. Just leave it at that. Like they're not going to get to five hundred if they just keep doing this shit that they're doing. Um, and I don't know that Tibbs will be willing to make serious adjustments. He has shown more willingness to do that this year than he has in the past. So maybe I'm wrong. Any adjustments could make them go five. Keep it at five hundred against the schedule. I mean, what adjustments yes. are there? Like, <laughs> to, to, no, I know what there are adjustments you can make, but that are going to be impactful in making sure they don't go like worse than five and ten. And the team stuff. is good. Like, I don't like they've got two fucking all stars on the team. Like, why am I? Why is it so crazy to think that they could go five? Like, I'm not. I'm even saying they need to go five hundred this stretch. I mean the the Which Wizards. Is... The Wizards also have two all stars on their team. I would argue. I think KP's been playing at that level. I mean, KP also misses a bunch of games. Things out again tonight. Like Randall and Brunson aren't missing games. You know, like they—they're there every night. He gets quickly. Oh, no, only passing reads, but yeah. He gets quickly. He has Grimes. He's got RJ playing at a probably close to career best level offensively. Um, like he's got talent here. I'm sorry, I don't. 
I'm not giving him this. I'm not giving him this bailout. He's not getting it. For I'm, I'm not giving you. A, I'm not asking for a bailout. I'm saying like, what are your realistic expectations? Get to the get to the All Star break at five hundred. No, for, get to the All Star break at. So that would require. Let's just go through. Uh, sorry, I, I did go through this before. So bear with me. But that would require against Cleveland at home, Boston on the road. Um, Cleveland at home, Boston on the road, Brooklyn technically on the road, um, the Lakers at home, the Heat at home, the Clippers at home, the Sixers at home, the Magic on the road, the Sixers at uh, on the road, the Jazz at home, the Nets uh, in MSG, um, the Hawks on the road. The it's Wiz- the NBA. It's the NBA. I mean, you think they can get – so that would require them out of those games to win like four games at least. Yeah, I don't see what's wrong with that. They can't win four games. They can't go four and six, or whatever the fuck it is. Really, like this is we're gonna do. This All right, it would require then. them to go five and seven. They'd have to get five wins out of that. Right. Well, that's twelve. Let's let's okay. They should they should beat the Clippers. Uh, do, should, so so do you think? I don't think they're gonna beat the Cavs at home. I'm just, I'm telling you right now. Sorry, right. they fine. I'll give you the next three. They lose those. Fine. They should beat the Lakers. They should wow. Beat the Heat. They will not have the best player on the floor. That's well, that's true. You can't win a game unless you're the best player on the floor. Uh, they should beat the Lakers. Okay. They should beat the Heat. They should beat the Clippers. Uh, they should beat the Magic. They should beat the Jazz. I feel comfortable saying that. And they should beat the Hawks. That's six right there. Why can't they do that? Like I don't. I really don't understand. This is a team that has the point differential of a twenty-seven and twenty-one team. So they're out. Right now, they're two best players. They're out they're one players. guy. They're going to be out one guy for that time. I mean, it, has there been an update on Quickly's health? I mean, he's 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 it's supposed to get to go tomorrow. He'll be, right? he'll be fine. He's still list is questionable. I doubt they did like an actual checkup on him today. He'll be fine. If he misses one more game, which we're already chalking up as a loss, let's say quickly misses the next three. We all chalk, we're chalking those up as losses anyway, right? Fine. So he's like, I don't think this is crazy. He should win. He can win if he can't win five games in stretch. Then he probably is just not a good coach. Like I'm sorry, like to me, it's really that simple. If like if he, like he lost to the fucking Wizards, okay, that's his fault. What am I supposed to do? You can't you can't win these games against bad teams or teams that you should beat. You went three and one against the Raptors. So like he like what are one we doing three. here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're one and three against the Raptors. Like what are we talking about here? Like we we can't hold them to any standard. Like. He, oh, well, this is a tough stretch. Yeah, it's a tough stretch. That's how fucking NBA season works. You're going to have a tough stretch. If you can't win any basketball games during a tough stretch, then something's got to change. I don't know. Maybe that's the players. Maybe that's the coach. To me, it's the coach. Um, and in- I, I, I do agree with you, by the way. I think I am less enthusiastic about the Lakers just because of how well LeBron is playing right now. Um, and he always seems to have really good games at MSG. Um, but I think they should beat the Jazz and they should beat the Hawks. Clippers, it's always tough to tell, but the Knicks have actually played the Clippers well during the Tibbs era. Uh, I sh- obviously should beat the Magic. Um, the Heat, I'm less sure about than you, but I think there's five wins in there. So I'm not sure about the Heat either. My point is, like, and I there's feel... A better co- part of the reason I'm not sure about the Heat yeah, is because they have, they have a better coach. <laughs> but, like, I just look, this team's talent is fine. This team has good talent. And if a coach can't like get that to happen. I'm not I'm so sick and tired of like downplaying the team's talent to I don't know why. I'm so sick of love songs too. I am sick of that too, but I'm really sick of downplaying <laughs> the team's talent for no reason. Like 
again, the team has the point differential of a 27-21 team. Brunson and Randall have played That is fair. Road. And I think that it often, they shit on young guys. and you, You're leaving Obi on the fucking, I can't get over that. Like, I think I've been a little bit more measured in my tips crit- criticism than you, but fucking that really, like, of all the games yesterday, I think you were the one who said it. This game against this team, when he's shooting a bazillion percent from three, you're leaving Obi on the bench. Um, that was um, that was pretty um, pretty awful. Um, I did want to talk about a potential free agent this year. Might be a free agent in 2024. Recently came back, had some conciliatory, conciliatory comments towards the Knicks. Um, he's a guy that you've talked about bringing back. Uh, I have I have a scenario in mind. If the Knicks do tank, let's say they tank, and they win the number one pick, they bring a skinny seven foot three guy from France. They add another seven foot three guy from Washington in free agency, and they keep Mitchell Robinson, uh, and then they play Randall at the two and RJ at the one. The ginormous Knicks lineup. Um, that's a vision that I, I thought about today. That tells you how um, little faith we have in the Knicks going forward. Um, but I, I do want to ask, I know you wrote a lot about it at the time. Um, you know, KP came back and, you know, the, the Wizards won. And even after that game, you know, he talked about how much he missed his time in New York, talked about, you know, saying things he could have done differently. I think he specifically alluded to the tweet um, he had, you know, like right after he joined, he said, you know, that was not a wise decision. Um, you know, have your thoughts on KP changed since, like, you know, we were all kind of at his throat after he left? Not really. I mean, he fucked up, so it is what it is. I, I don't like. I'm not. I don't actively hate him that much anymore because I don't really think about him. But um, I don't think about you at all. Yeah, yeah, no, it's exactly what it is. I don't really think about him. So, you know, if the next if he came back, I wouldn't be like. It's not at the point now where it's like, no, he can't come back. Fuck that guy. Um, you know, he's been gone now for what, four years. So, I mean, do you, do you think there's some truth to? So, one, I think I would love to have him back because when he was on the team, who was the guy that a lot of people wanted to? I don't know if you were on this bandwagon, but the Julius Randle one. Yeah, everyone wanted to pair him with Julius Randle, right? Yeah, I mean, I think if you bring him back, it raises an interesting question because I'm not sure there's enough usage to go around. Yeah, and, and I mean, how do you, what do you do with Mitch at that point, right? And, and I, do you want KP as your full time five? Um, it's it's a tough thing to to manage, but I mean, I don't know. Reflecting on that time, I wonder how much of our rage was really about KP, and really, and how much was it about the Howard Becks of the world, you know, that tried to clown us incessantly about that? And if you just remove no, I mean, those, he had a shitty tweet. But the, the the core of the issue is the Knicks didn't want to pay for a guy with with injury issues, which was the right decision. And you know, it, it, when you put it like that, really, what was upsetting us was you know the ringer and all that shit, and and Howard Beck. And yeah, Bondi. I mean, I I just thought it was a good trade for the Knicks, to be honest. So, like, the emotional part of it was one thing, but just on the surface, I thought it was a good trade. So You thought it was a good trade at the time, too, right? Yeah, I thought it was a good trade. I thought, you know, they bet that KP was probably not going to be an all-NBA guy, which they were right about. They used his contract, or basically used him as an asset 
to unload bad contracts that they had, which and still got a couple picks back. Yeah, yeah, they got back two first. They clean. They basically for the first time ever reset the Knicks' entire cap sheet. Like there was no bad money left on the on the books. And to, for everyone that wants to say that. I also think there's a lot of people who simultaneously say that was a failure because they didn't sign KD and also are like, look how good Julius Randle is. Well, they got Julius Randle that cap space, right? So Yeah, and I mean, they... And Morris, who turned into quickly, so... Yeah, they, they, they did fine with the cap space. Probably not the... I mean, it's not the best they could have done, but they did okay with it. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I liked that trade at the time. I felt that way at the time. I got... A lot of people that were saying that I was just coping. I don't think that was the case. Turned out pretty okay for the Knicks. Seems like it's turned out well for KP, at least at the end of it all in Washington. But I don't know. It doesn't seem like... It definitely seems like he wants to come back. Or at least at the very minimum, it feels like he regrets not staying in New York. Um, Before we wrap up, I do want to go back to the Knicks for a little bit. Because I do think we need to talk about Jalen Brunson, who has been really fucking good this year. but of late has struggled. I thought yesterday he was... I hate... I, that was his worst game of the season. I would legitimately say that. The last two games have been fucking brutal for me watching him. His defense is just so unfocused right now. Just, like... Well, he can't... He's make, missing very... He missed Sims a lot of times on lobs. There were a lot of opportunities for that. There was even one where he had, a, he had an assist to Obi where he kicked it out for above the arc. And Obi was on fire, but I was like, he had Sims on the lob, you know, so. Yeah, and he's a good lob passer. He was hitting Mitch for a bunch early this season. And I think the, the Toronto, the, the lengths, I would say the Toronto length bothered him if this was the first instance. But it's been, a, to your point, a recurring issue the last few games. Yeah, and it's weird because he had that awesome game against Toronto in Toronto a couple weeks ago. And then the last two games against them, he's really struggled. I thought the, I thought the last time we played them, it was more of like a... One, partially decision-making, and then two, just second game of a back-to-back, playing a lot of minutes. Thought that hurt him. But, like, yesterday I thought was really just bad. Like, he made he made constantly made bad decisions. He kept driving into the paint against the zone. Yeah, this fuck, by the way, another reason, like, I just don't understand people that, like, there are people who will be like, well, the Knicks don't play well against zone because they don't have guys that shoot. And it's like, we- dude, they didn't play well against zone last year, and they had a bunch of guys that could shoot. They had. They, they have guys that can shoot this year. That's yeah. not a, especially with Mitch out. Like, um, they played bad with like Brunson can shoot, Randall can shoot, and and it's it's Fournier also, was play play Fournier played twenty one fucking minutes. He can shoot, and it's just to me that like they the worst shooter in their rotation that isn't a center went four of six from three yesterday. So that wasn't the issue, you know. Yeah, I mean, I just think that they don't attack zones properly and like at a certain point when you shuffle through you learn in fucking fifth grade youth basketball it's as soon the fact that you shuffled through as many different players that you have over the last three years and the same exact issue persists i mean nate mcmillan had a quote after the game on friday where he said something like oh we went to zone because we figured that would slow them down and it's like yeah, like it does because we have no fucking. Every time we see a zone, it's like it takes like ten seconds to even figure out what the hell we're gonna do against it, and then it usually ends up some terrible shot. Like, I don't know. I, I think that that says something about coaching. Anyway, Brunson's way to handle it yesterday was odd. It was like he just kept trying to split the kind of like two guys at the top of the zone and get into the middle of the paint, but he kept putting himself in like terrible situations and turning it over. Or, nearly getting stripped and he's he was all over the place yesterday i thought he had a terrible game he's had a terrible little stretch here and like 
I know that he's been carrying a crazy load, but he's not making it any easier on himself with some of the decisions he's making, where he's just not moving the ball. He's not passing it. I mean, I don't know how many assists he ended up with last night, but like, he's just, these guys, him and Julius, especially is the case, but like him, especially for the, like the last few games, like just do a better job of trusting your teammates, man. Like that's like, you've got to trust these guys to make plays. And I got to say this. I just once, just once, when he does that little DHO with quickly, I just once want to see him actually pass it off to him. Just once. I want to see him do it. Instead of, like, bro, everybody's sitting on it now. It's like you're not faking anybody because they know that you're not going to give it to him and you're just trying to drive baseline. Just fucking do it. Like, give him the ball. Let's see what happens. I, he's got to find a better balance. He, I think he will. He was there earlier in the season. Um, like, you know, it's a little stretch. Everybody has stretches that suck. But, I mean, look, these last... But it was it has been a direct contributor to some of the Knicks' losses of late, right? So. Yeah, I mean, the Atlanta game, he was okay. He had nine assists in that game. They generally moved the ball better the last two games. But, and, but I think, like, he's so like, good, and you've mentioned this before, he's so good at that mid-range floater that um, he passes up the lob a lot. I think that's a big issue. Like, when he gets into the paint, you want him to take that floater, but, like, defenses are are adjusting, right? And they're like, sit on the floater, and, and, and then by the time that he realizes that, oh, you're sitting on it, I can get the lob, yeah, I, that one doesn't really bother me as much. I don't think it's that that that's the big to me. It's when you're missing open shooters. He's just missing open shooters constantly. I mean, but I mean, on on those Grimes, like Grimes those, is open. Grimes is open all the time. He's open. I, like I would. I'm not even joking. If I was like Tibbs and this was actually possible by the CBA, I would find guys for not passing to Grimes when he's open. That should be automatic feed. I don't care what he shot yesterday from three. Care, like that's an automatic feed. If he's open from three, he gets the ball. You got to make him run laps. That's the... <laughs> something. But it's it's a joke. Like he's done this way too much. He, he's missing a lot of guys, but he's he's really missing Grimes a lot. Um, but I mean, on the lobs, the thing is that like against Toronto, those lobs at least when he misses them, they turn into like ten foot Jalen Brunson pull up shots, which is a very good outcome for a Knicks offensive possession. Yesterday, like he, they were they were sitting on it, so he couldn't even take that shot. You know, yeah. I mean, they that, that's really what kills. Pos- and then he has to bail on the possession. Which, well, yeah, he's just he's he's just spending a lot of time on the ball, and he's got to get get it moving, get it moving side to side. To his credit, I thought I thought he did a better job in terms of like overall running the offense yesterday. But the stretches where he decided like it was time for him to initiate or get something going at least. I, I just thought he struggled. But like the Knicks as a team moved the ball pretty well yesterday. I think he deserves credit for that. They had thirty assists on forty made field goals, I believe. Um like they they did do a good job collectively and I do think that and they did a good job collectively for the most part against Atlanta also. So like I do think he's I don't want to say he's growing because it's like, you know he's just he's finding a better balance again, I think. Um but like can it be better? Yeah. And I do think it needs to be better. And I do think the Knicks need to pass more. And that falls on him. And that falls on Randall. And it falls on RJ, too. Like, RJ had a really good passing game yesterday. He had five assists. Like, he should be averaging four or five assists a game. Period. End of story. Like, he's way... He he has too much gravity as a driver to not be averaging that, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I just think Brunson's got to find a better balance and, you know, RJ, look, RJ's scoring, he's, for me, the last 25 games or so, he's been really, really 
taken a massive efficiency leap, and I do think he's going to get there. Like I, I think this last 25 games is actually indicative of the player he's probably becoming. But like the passing needs to get – that's the big thing for him offensively. You know, he doesn't, I don't think he's ever going to be a particularly great pull up shooter at any range. But, like, given his driving talent, if he can play make at a higher level, which should be easy because of the gravity commands, like, he can be a really dynamic second, third guy in an offense, um, even though he's not the most explosive player. And then, like, defensively, you know, he's just got to be more physical. It's just got, like, I don't really understand it. Him and Brunson are, like, super physical guys who seem to lack it at times on defense. And then just some of their awareness at times is like, they both love to go under screens for absolutely no reason and die on the screen and then take way too long to get over it. Um, there's multiple instances of that the last few games and throughout the season. Like they, both those guys got to be better because like, I'll say this, I've criticized Julius a lot. I actually thought Julius' defense the last couple of games have been okay. Like pretty okay. You know? Yeah, he was, I mean, it's, Besides boxing out, yeah, I mean he hasn't been the issue. I mean, the, look, the boxing out with him is just that's always going to be a thing. Like he's twenty eight now, right? So you, I don't think it's reasonable to expect him to all of a sudden become some box out master. But like, you know, that's to me the thing with Art. It's like RJ's twenty two. There's still there's like you're still in the development phase, right? Like that you're not done. So I just I I'm not. I'm worried about him defensively, but I still have hope because, like, I don't think what he did two years ago is gone. Like, I don't think he's going to be a lockdown defender, but he's definitely capable of being a more disruptive one than he is right now. He's definitely capable of being more physical, um, and he just needs to find that balance better. And, like, I think Omar's brought this up in our Discord, but, like, look, he's obviously taken on a bigger offensive load the last couple of seasons. And is he in good condition? Yeah, I think he's in good condition. But there's a difference between being in like the condition to handle the usage he's on versus like handling that usage and still being a competitive, highly competent team defender that's able to disrupt guys. Um, like the shape you have to be in for that. Sometimes it takes guys a few years to really like understand what it takes. Right? I mean, people love talking about Jason Tatum. And I don't think RG's going to ever be Jason Tatum, but like Jason Tatum wasn't, he didn't just, like he, the talent's always been there, right? Which has kind of been like why the conversation around him the last couple of years was like, what, like what's going on with him? Why isn't he making the leap that we all thought he was going to make? It looks like he's making, I don't want to say he's made the leap to an MVP level player because <laughs> the MVP race this year is pretty, between Jokic, Luca and Bede, whatever the fuck you want. Like, there's a lot of guys up there, and I don't know if he's quite at that level, but like, he's taken a leap to, I think, unquestioned superstardom. Um, like, it, but it took him what? I mean, this is sixth year in the league, I believe. So it takes time. Like, you can be the most talented dude, and you can be in con the right shape, and you can work your ass off, but like, that doesn't mean you're guaranteed this stuff. And it certainly doesn't mean you're going to get there. You know, oh, he's 22. It's time. Like, no. It, it let, I think just let him develop. The leap he's making right now as a scorer is not insignificant. You know, over the last 25 games, you're talking about a guy that's averaging 22 a night, 57 true shooting, 52.7 uh, effective field goal percentage. Like, those are significant leaps for him. Like, not, and 
really that's a pretty decent number for anybody. Um, so if that continues, like, you know, if he maintains that for the rest of the year, that's really good. And then it's like, okay, now your next goal has to be to be in the shape to play the type of defense you're playing your second year in the league while carrying this offensive burden. And please go get me three, four, five assists a night. Or maybe he's already doing three, but four or five assists a night. You know, that's basically you're talking about making like probably three, four extra reads a game. That's, that's, that should be, that's such low hanging fruit for him. He's got to get there. I think he will get there, but um, I, I, I get frustrated with him quite often. But like when you zoom out and you kind of look at his season in totality, I do think that he's making a leap that we would have probably all signed up for at the start of the year. Don't want RJ, right? I wouldn't call it a leap, but he's been better. Um, I mean, from an efficiency standpoint, it's still kind of what it is. Um, so, you know, he's at um, he's broken the twenty. He's you know establishing himself over the twenty point barrier. Three assists a game, two point four turnovers, but his true shooting is still fifty. It is a career high true shooting, so. I think that we can squabble about um, quabble. <laughs> we can, uh, we can maybe. I don't. I wouldn't call it a leap, but I think he's been better for sure. And um, I, w- I will note that um, he's shooting on corner threes just thirty four percent, despite being a thirty seven percent shooter from the corner for his career. I expect that to tip up, tick up. So um, you know. There's probably a couple, there's some low hanging fruit that he hasn't even capitalized on yet. So he's shooting forty percent on above the break threes right now. Um, right. Yeah. So I, I think I think you, I think he is a good corner three point shooter. So he's just not shooting well from the corner. Maybe that that uh, above the break number comes down too. But I would imagine he's at thirty three percent from three. I would imagine that finishes closer to thirty five, thirty six. And you know, I think league average efficiency at the end of this year is probably within reach for RJ. So. Um, that's fifty-seven, right? True shooting. For for uh, is that average? Or I thought I, I thought it was closer to fifty-five, but uh, I can check right now. Um, it may also. It, I mean, for a wing, you also would imagine it's going to be a little bit lower, right? Because that fifty-seven is going to include you know centers who only dunk and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at just wings, right? It's probably much higher than just the. Uh, or it's probably lower rather than the league average. So, um, yeah. Well, look, I don't know. We'll see. I, I I, do think he's made a, I don't want to say substantial leap, because I don't think it's a substantial overall leap, but I do think the scoring leap he's It's made progress. Is, yeah, I, I would say that there's been a scoring leap, not maybe in terms of the volume you want to see, ideally, for a wing, but, like, I don't really care. About and that. I, will, I will say that floater is, is not automatic, but it's a, he has a reliable mid-range floater. Um, he doesn't have yeah, which a, is a huge, range club. yeah, which, which is, is a, a pretty big thing. deal. Uh, so for wings this season, so for small forwards, uh, league average true shooting is 57 and a half. And then for a shooting guard, it's 56.6. So he's over the last 25 games, he's right around, he's basically splitting the difference between two and three, uh, of league average true shooting, which given the volume, I think that's pretty good. Um, especially since he's a starter that that's. That's that's a good that's a good thing. And um, how much do you buy into the idea that he doesn't fit well with Randall and Brunson? 
I think it's a little clunky. I don't know if he doesn't. I think there's. I would say not all three of them are going to be on the Knicks team that is competitive, contending. However, we want to phrase that, but for now, I think it's fine. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, all right, I think that's a good place to end it. Uh, all right, that's our pod for today. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Stacy, let the people know where they can find you and plug anything that you'd like to plug. Yeah, you can find me at Stacy Patton eighty nine. Uh, I want to bring up this fun fact: um, the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, who everyone told me had the greatest quarterback. Well, not everyone, um, analytics folks. I'm not an anti-analytics person, but in this case, I will. They told me they had the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys have not won a playoff game on the road in over 30 years. Um, so, in a sense, in essence, um, the majority of the Knicks, even Julius Randle, shout out Dallas's finest, have not been alive to see the Dallas Cowboys win a road playoff game. Um, and I wanted to highlight that and plug that. Uh, aside from that, uh, Presidente uh, just did a great. Um, article um on shot making for the strickland which i'll plug um honestly like i've learned i've learned about basketball probably as much from that guy as anyone else um and it's a really good article um both from a kind of a draft perspective as well as just our players and we do have a lot of young players so i will plug that um yeah um i uh i would also plug Everything that Prez does, even though he sucks, uh, I'm not going to plug anything about. Well, Prez has, especially when um, his draft Strickland is good. His other pod, uh, podcast, he has a shitty partner, but it's you know, true. The draft Strickland ones, that's that's the one to, to keep an eye out for. Uh, the Cowboys also haven't made the NFC Championship game in 28 years now. So you know who is in the NFC Championship game this year? Uh, yeah, the Niners. Uh, uh, the right. Eagles too. But yeah. all right. Nobody cares about that. Not on this podcast, anyway. Uh, right. I think I think we can we can draw a truce and say fuck the fuck the Cowboys. Shout out to Giants, and if and also I'll say this: if there's any Giants fans that are blaming what happened on Saturday on Daniel Jones, that is a massive overreaction. Um, that was just um, the, the they US weren't supposed outgunned. to be there. They got pounded by. They weren't supposed to be there. Back. They're outgunned. I think they're going to be much better next year. I think they will. I think Jacoby Myers is a is a good name to keep an eye on. I think that's a really good fit for them. So um, yeah, uh, the Giants are definitely um, worrisome for other NFC East teams right now, and there's no reason to be too disheartened by that loss. Even though, suck it, and uh, yeah, both both sentiments can be true. <laughs> I concur. Uh, all right. Uh, I, again, I have nothing to plug, so I'm just going to plug all the work. The Strickland, uh, the Pods, the Run Dot Down with Sam and Tyrese and Jeff. They all do a great job on there, except for Tyrese. Um, all the draft Strickland's draft work. Uh, check all that out. So that, again, is our pod for today. hope everybody has a great week, and I will see you on Friday. Friday.